This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, I'm joined by Eben Goodstein, Director of Bard College's Graduate Programs in Sustainability. Eben is an economist and director of the Bard Graduate Programs of Sustainability, which houses the Center for Environmental Policy and the Bard MBA in Sustainability. Eben led the expansion of the Center for Environmental Policy. Eben also founded the number one ranked MBA in Sustainability in 2012. And in recent years, he's coordinated a series of national educational initiatives on climate change involving over 2,500 colleges, universities, high schools, and community organizations. He's the author of a college textbook, Economics and the Environment, now in its ninth edition. So welcome back to the Impact Report, Eben. Katie, it's a pleasure to be here. 2023 marks the 20th anniversary of the first graduating class from the MS in Environmental Policy degree at Bard Center for Environmental Policy, the 10th graduating class from the Bard MBA in Sustainability Program. Can you talk more about this milestone and what it means to you both personally and professionally? Well, Katie, we're just coming off of a worldwide uh, teach-in on global climate justice that we organized out of the Bard Center for Environmental Policy. I was working with a few graduate students, some staff. Um, this was more than 300 events in 40 countries, 30,000 people involved. And just one story about these. There was an event at in France at the university there. And uh, an engineer came up to one of the organizers afterwards. And he said, uh, you know, uh, I'm graduating uh, I was planning to go work for the oil industry, but I, I just can't really do that anymore. It's just not what I can do with my life. And can you help me figure out what a different pathway is going to be? Um, and I think that really is the story of what uh, our work is is all about, right? Uh, young people are really coming to the realization that there is really important work to do in the world. There are profound injustices around climate uh, gender inequity, access to housing, basic food, um, uh, ocean pollution, biodiversity loss. Um, and they want to work on this. I mean, they, they, they don't want to just volunteer. They, they want to really be at the forefront of solving these big global problems. And um, the way we think about this at BARD is that if you want to do that, there's three ways to do it. You can change minds, and that's what happened to that young French engineer, um, and that's really education. Um, you can change the rules, and that's policy, and we do a lot of work in the policy space. Um, or you can change the game, and that's business. Because no matter how many rules we change, um, and no matter how many minds we change, at the end of the day, we are at this moment where business has to radically reimagine what it's doing on the face of the planet, right? We've got to figure out how to keep the lights on, get food on our table, get our health care in ways that massively, massively reduce environmental impact. So 80, 90% cuts in carbon pollution, but also plastics pollution, toxics, biodiversity loss. Um, and companies also have to figure out how to treat workers and communities and suppliers with justice and with respect because uh, we can't have 
you know, environmentally sustainable companies that aren't also uh, socially engaged. So the Bard experience has just been bringing all this together. Um, I'm sometimes asked, uh, you know, what are you looking for in, in job, in, in candidates who, who want to come to the program? And I say, it's, you know, we basically have two criteria for uh, admission. We want smart people who want to change the world. And working with that group of folks has just been just profoundly rewarding for me. Um, I got, you know, I got into this work. I'd been teaching economics for 20 years, um, but I'd increasingly sort of was, you know, kind of in personal kind of existential mode about whether I really wanted to spend my life, you know, teaching undergrads microeconomics. And so I'd actually started a climate education nonprofit while teaching. And, and the BARD opportunity um, has really sort of let me do that work full, full time. Uh, I, I had a chance to co-found the MBA with, with uh, my amazing intellectual hero uh, and the co-founder now of the MBA Hunter Lovins had amazing opportunities to work with incredible faculty, staff, students, and BARD itself, um, you know, unique institution that's really uh, been um, uh, supportive of the kind of entrepreneurial education that we've been developing. Well, that is an amazing journey and story, <clears throat> excuse me, about that French student. And I wonder, you make it sound so succinct and um, easy coming to this, but these are really big problems to solve. Um, and it is existential. And it, as a follow-up to that, I just wonder how, um, as you know, leaders and administrators in this in this in these programs, how that part is handled. How how is the I mean, I went through the program myself, but the urgency to mitigate these problems and come up with solutions to them with also the very much in your face, getting an education and training. Um, is that something you can speak to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the question is, how do we serve people who come to us? Um, so, so these are folks who are mission oriented. Um, and uh, once again, you know, they, they want to change the world, but they know they need, they need three things. They need the best possible mix of academic training. They need real world experience um, and they need career development so that they can step into uh, positions, uh, you know, get good jobs where they can make a difference at scale in a hurry when, uh, because on some of these issues, we don't have a lot of time, right? Um, and so what we've done at BARD is create graduate programs that are really very different than anybody else's. Um, and one element of that is that they start out with an integrated core curriculum. So these are not kind of cafeteria style programs where you just take a bunch of courses over two years. We thought really hard about the kind of work that we want people to do um, and the, the tools that they need to get. Um, and um, that opens up space for highly experiential education. Um, and I should digress for a moment. What, what kind of job, degree programs do we offer? So we have the, the Change Minds degree, which is a, a master's of ed in environmental education. Um, and that's really for people that want to uh, grow and impact and, and, and make more powerful the network of, of uh, 
primarily nonprofit actors that we find in every community, you know, museums, science centers, education centers, uh, environmental organizations that basically provide the core environmental education uh, that young people desperately need, right? It's a screen generation, increasingly spending less time outside. How do we engage them with the fundamental lessons of, of ecological literacy that lead to those kinds of career decisions um, in the long run? Um, we also offer kind of the change the rules set of degrees. So we have an MS environmental policy and MS climate science and policy degrees. And those are for people that want to get rid of bad laws and regulations and put in good laws and regulations to drive sustainable outcomes. Obviously working in and around government, cities, towns, federal, state, global, UN, um, but also increasingly in big corporations, in sustainability offices, where a lot of that work is how do I change the rules internal to organizations to drive sustainable outcomes? And of course, you know, outside the system in NGOs as advocates and educators and lobbyists, to try and drive change in government or in business. And then finally in 2012, Hunter and I set up the MBA in sustainability, uh, really one of the few and the best officially, according to Princeton Review now, three years running, um, MBA that fully integrates a focus on mission-driven business and sustainability into a core MBA. So we teach marketing and strategy and finance and accounting, but every one of those classes is built around the idea of how do I use those skills to build a business that's in business to solve social and environmental problems. Got to make money, no margin, no mission. But at the end of the day, how do you put mission and sustainability first and then have um, profitability and financial success follow? So, um, so what we do, I, I mentioned one of the key features of all these programs is that very thoughtful kind of integrated interdisciplinary core curriculum um, that frees up time for, in the case of the MED and MS programs, four to six month professional internships. So that's part of our master's degree is that you leave BARD and you go to, you know, Australia or Thailand or uh, Geneva or South Africa or DC or New York, and you work full time four to six months. You're in touch with your thesis advisor, you, you know, you develop a 25 page paper. So you really come out of our program with the kind of understanding of what this academics means in the real world, strong resume, all that stuff really supports people getting uh, good jobs um, uh, in, in the space. Um, on the MBA side, that's a lot of consulting. Um, that's the structure of the MBA program in terms of experiential. All these programs, as I said, very career focused. Our mission is to change the world. And that means you guys need to be working. And I would say also all of these programs are small by design. I mean, I never wanted to run a graduate program where I didn't know every student's name. Um, and I, I just believe in that kind of education. I have kind of a liberal arts ethos in my, in my DNA, literally. And um, it's just really important to me. And I think that's the, the best type of education in the world is that high touch, high engagement kind of work. Oh, that's very true of the experience, at least my experience in the MBA program. How because the program has grown and evolved. Can you talk a little bit about some of the changes that have happened and yeah. what you're anticipating may continue to change or evolve? Yes, um, so uh, the, we are at our 20th and 10th anniversaries in terms of graduating classes this year. So the, the MS program 
started in 2002. It's what's unique about the graduate programs is that we are based at a liberal arts college. Bard is primarily, you know, a 2000 person undergraduate institution about 90 miles north of New York City. But it's 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 unique in that it has some great graduate programs. We also do things like run one of the biggest prison programs in the country. We run early college high schools. Uh, we're doing lots of cool stuff globally, and I'll talk more about that. So it's it's a very ambitious place for being kind of a small liberal arts college. Um, but <clears throat> the MS programs were really started in the early 2000s. Impetus was, you know, climate change, biodiversity loss, the need to sort of train professionals in kind of science, law, economics. Um, and, uh, and then I came to Bard in 2009, added the MS in climate science and policy, the MBA in 2000, we opened in 2012, the MED in 2017. So we've been kind of adding out the suite of, you know, change the world, change minds, change the game programs. Um, and uh, I would say what's cool about them is that they haven't at their core changed. Um, there's always been this real commitment to, uh, again, thoughtful, integrated, interdisciplinary core curricula, leaving lots of space for experiential education, um, and then with, with a strong career focus um, and, and community focus. Um, I will say on the MBA side, we've added concentrations in impact finance and, and, and circular value chain and sustainability consulting. Um, on the policy side, we, we've added additional experiential work. So all of our students go to Oaxaca, Mexico for 12 days in the middle of the first year to kind of experience uh, kind of uh, sustainability, sustainable development, sustainability policy from the ground up, uh, kind of the community level. Um, and um, uh, obviously strengthen the experiential and career elements of the course. The big change the last two or three years has been the explicit adoption of a commitment in all of our graduate programs to train anti-racist organizational leaders. So we define sustainability as shared well-being on a healthy planet, very simply. That captures the environmental side, a healthy planet, but it also grounds right up front the social side, right? The sustainability is about people um, and it's about shared well-being for people. And obviously in a world of systemic racism, that's not possible. So we want all of our graduates, they're gonna be leaders in business, education, policy, to be well-equipped when they leave our program to dismantle systemic racism within their organizations, but also to think about how and modify and change how their business models or their policy ideas or their education initiatives are either you know, promoting or uh, reinforcing, um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, promoting or, or, or taking apart, you know, existing racist uh, structures. Um, so, uh, so that's been, I think, really the biggest sort of piece in the last two or three years. Um, in terms of what comes next, um, you know, we don't change very much because what we do, we do so well. Um, uh, we do have a global initiative, which I'll probably talk about in a few minutes. I'm interested to hear more about the people that are teaching these future leaders and game changers. Can you talk more about how Bar GPS attracts and retains such world-class faculty? 
Yes. So, I mean, this is really in our DNA because we are based at, you know, a liberal arts college that where, where excellence in teaching is, is everything, right? And, and our faculty don't teach undergrads much. They don't teach PhD students. They are really focused on our master's students um, and, and really giving them the same kind of attention that you would expect at a high class, uh, you know, top class liberal arts college. Um, so I would say that on, on the uh, MS side, uh, uh, I haven't had to do much because my core faculty were here when I got here. So they've been here for 15 or 20 years um, and uh, they're just amazing people. And, and what's really incredible about that curriculum is that it, it is highly integrated. Um, so it's, it's, it's modular. So when students are doing air and atmosphere in their science, classes, they're going to do that in their economics classes and their law and policy classes, similarly with biodiversity loss or um, uh, uh, ag issues. So it's a, you, nowhere else in the world, I think, do you get the level of interdisciplinarity that we're able to offer in our program because it's a core curriculum and because these faculty have been teaching together for 15 years and they know what's going on in their other classes. They've literally taken them. They meet every week to talk about what they're talking about in their classes and how it relates across disciplines. Um, uh, as we've added the programs, we've moved more to a practitioner model. Um, and uh, I would say that my most important job as director is hiring great people. That's what I do all the time. Um, but it's not particularly hard because uh, uh, our, our, fa our faculty is primarily people who are on the cutting edge of sustainability in their day jobs. And then they're bringing that into the classroom. And because we're in New York City, just the, the talent pool is super deep. And so we, we find people who are really on the, on the edge of sustainability in terms of practice, who are you know, deeply engaged intellectually, writing books, um, you know, public speaking, you know, thought leaders, and who are also great teachers. Um, and then they, they stay with us they, because it's such an amazing community. No one wants to leave. Um, and um, so, so I would say, it's my most important job, but it's it's really not that hard. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> now you have 20 years of um, the CEP MS students out in the world and 10 years of the BARD MBA students out in the world. What kind of impacts are these graduates and working professionals making in their own communities? I would say that I, I have the best job in the world, um, especially in these difficult times. Um, because when I get depressed, I, I just engage with some of my students or my alums, and I just realize all the amazing stuff they're doing. Um, and uh, so we've got, you know, a woman, you know, heading up a community development initiative in Buffalo and similar initiatives in Hartford and Lancaster, you know, very challenged cities and towns that really need the help of, of our talented graduates. Uh, we had a guy who ran the Sierra Club's uh, uh, Stop Coal campaign. Uh, we've got people, you know, moving up the ranks in sustainability at Danone and ING and Deutsche Bank and Estee Lauder and Etsy. Uh, one of our grads runs the NRDC's state level climate strategy and has been amazingly busy in the last two or three years as all of this great climate legislation, the dam's finally breaking and we've seen so much government initiative coming out. Uh, one of our grads founded and another grad led um, the National Young Farmers Coalition, a group that has been dedicated to providing support for young uh, organic and regenerative farmers. Uh, we've got folks at the big four 
consulting firms, um, KPMG and EY and Price Waterhouse, um, and uh, as well as many other consulting firms. Uh, people doing mass transit in Atlanta. One of our grads is the chief representative for a country, the Dominican Republic, in the COP uh, negotiations. Um, we've got people driving net zero strategy from within companies um, at the city level, states, uh, US government, UN governance. Um, so it's just really exciting to see ESG data, many people moving into CDP and other related organizations. Um, it's a powerful group. It's a powerful group. Um, and uh, they uh, are a group, right? It's, it's, there's a very cohesive sense of coming out of BARD and being part of this alumni community who are committed to changing the world. It's really moving to me because you mentioned kind of when you feel down about the state of things and what speaking to students and for me speaking to friends from the program and how you realize, you know, it's not just you, but the motivation, that's the motivation that keeps us going. And at each year as a new group cohort enters the program, I'm sure there's uh, a new um, rush of optimism to fix these things that buoys all of us to, you know, know that all hope isn't lost. Um, but so this is a very large community at this point, and I'm interested to hear more about the recently expanded reach of BARD GPS to a global audience. Can you tell us about the newly launched Global Certificate in Social Enterprise? Yes, um, you know, I said earlier that you know we we were happy with our graduate programs kind of being small by design because that's the kind of education that we believe in. Um, but we also need to scale. I mean, all of us need to scale our work or replicate it at some level. Um, we can't just sit back um, uh, and be satisfied with what we've done. So uh, what we've done is trying. Uh, we're working to create a, an, an education with global reach, but that retains the kind of high touch. Um, uh, experience that uh, is a signature of what we do in the bar graduate programs. Um, and so we created um, a new certificate program. It's called the uh, Op Open Society University Network Global Certificate in Social Enterprise and Leading Change. And essentially it is three of the MBA courses. So it's our principles course, um, our social entrepreneurship course, and our social entrepreneurship course, which is about how do you change business from within. So it's a leading change and sustainability course. And we've turned it into what is essentially an undergraduate sustainability minor, uh, trying to make this education available to under-resourced schools around the world who would love to have this kind of practical, uh, but still kind of liberal learning focused um, suite of courses made available to their students. And the way it works is there's a global classroom so once a week, we've got students dialing in to a single Zoom session from universities in Bangladesh and Palestine and uh, Colombia and Bulgaria and um, uh, Kyrgyzstan and Central Asia, um, as well as Bard and other schools in the United States. Um, and they're all together sharing ideas, fishbowling their work. Um, but then once a week, they have the high touch uh, sort of uh, opportunity to work with faculty members from their universities on their social entrepreneurship projects 
or their change making project. So it's again, very experience based. That's kind of the BARD signature. Um, and we believe that this certificate has the ability to scale so that we can be engaging hundreds of universities across the world um, in offering this curriculum and touching tens of thousands of students with the kind of education that we are delivering um, in, in our MS and MBA program. So um, stay tuned for that one. We're having a big conference on that, uh, actually April 20th. And um, uh, we're super excited to kind of to begin to build the partnerships um, that are gonna be required to really blow this out and 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 multiply the size of, of the army for sustainability that that we need and that we're building. That's really interesting. Now this is, you know, to learn more about the history of the program, I'd like to hear more about the history, but also just ask, would you have when you started, did you ever think this would be happening? Um yeah, so that whole kind of idea of, of sort of, of entrepreneurship is an interesting one, right? Because I've, I've essentially had the opportunity to be an educational entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, if you told me 20 years ago, in particular, that I was going to be running a business program in Manhattan, I would have said, what? <laughs> so so you, you never really know where you're going to go with this. But, you know, I, I was just a, an economist who'd really been trained more on the policy side to think about environmental pollution problems. I wrote a textbook when I was uh, in my early thirties, which is now that was in, it's in, you know, the ninth edition uh, called Economics in the Environment. Um, but I, I did get kind of increasingly frustrated with my life as a college teacher, just as an educator sort of teaching the same stuff that wasn't particularly relevant year after year. And so I started my own nonprofit organization in the late 90s focused on climate education and mobilization and activism. Um, and that kind of gave me this. One of the things we did actually was we, we had a thing called the race to stop global warming, which I wish somebody else would start up again. It's kind of a race for the cure type thing. Um, and at its uh, peak, we were running in eight cities and we would get six, 700 people showing up, you know, race to stop global warming t-shirts. It was pretty cool. We had to shut it down. We didn't quite make money. Um, but that, I began to accumulate sort of the, the kind of entrepreneurial skill set needed to start organizations, raise funds, that sort of thing. Um, did some really big glow of national teach-ins in the mid-2000s on climate change. And that, that really gave me the skill set to step into uh, the entrepreneurial task that Bard had set for me, which was how do I you know, compete with, you know, the Dukes and Michigans and Columbia's of the world with a graduate program at a small place like Bard. I'd become familiar with the, the, the MBAs, uh, sustainability from the ground up MBAs that got started in the early 2000s when I was out in Oregon and really, you know, wanted to bring that to the East Coast. Hunter Lovins and I were actually at COP15 in Copenhagen, which was a pretty grim time. That was when the whole top-down kind of approach fell apart. Lots of protests, lots of cops, lots of arrests. And, um, but we decided then to start the MBA because again, no matter how many rules got changed in Copenhagen, it was still gonna be up to business. I brought it home to Bard and the wonderful thing about Bard is I had to have one conversation. So no committees, no endless debate. They just said, you know, don't lose money. And um, I didn't. 
and so it's it's been a really uh, kind of exciting uh, personal opportunity for me to bring all these skills and primarily people together. I mean, and Hunter again has been you know uh, an amazing opportunity to work with someone who wrote the book literally, Natural Capitalism in 1999 that really launched this amazing global business sustainability movement. Um, so uh, yeah, um, that is the kind of history of the programs. What is the motivation to keep going? What's at stake if we don't get it right? You know, how do you address these concerns with students and even faculty? How we know the motivation to do the work, but what's really at stake locally? I mean, we know globally, but there's a lot at stake. So how do you stay focused and also aware of the bigger picture? You know, I talked to a young person yesterday who is like many of us sort of wrestling with uh, climate despair, right? Um, uh, the planet's getting hotter. You know, it's gonna be really hot the next couple of years because we're coming out of a La Nina and into an El Nino. We could easily blow through 1.5 degrees C next year, which would be mind blowing and, and also really, challenging for so many of us who have been working so hard to try and keep the planet under that um, under that threshold. So, you know, we've been starting many of our events at Bard with a land acknowledgement. Um, and I like it very much because it asks us to acknowledge the people who have been here before and also to honor our ancestors, I mean, our descendants. Um, and, you know, there have been people living here in New York's Hudson Valley for 10,000 years, right? Um, and for most of that time, 95% of it pretty sustainably. Um, for the last 400 years, obviously, an unsustainable system founded in genocide, racism, slavery, uh, exploitation um, of nature and people. Um, but there will be people living here for another 10,000 years. You know, humans are like weeds. We're not going anywhere. And so I think there's sort of this apocalyptic sense that somehow somehow the world's going to come to an end, you know, in the next hundred years. And that's just ain't so, right? That's a privileged viewpoint. Um, there will be people around. Um, and so I think, and, and we're living at a truly extraordinary moment in terms of agency, Right. In many ways, there's never been a more exciting and decisive time to be alive than today, because what, uh, you know, we have at our fingertips, kind of the tools and the business models and the networks um, and, 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 and the ability to profoundly make the future a better place. Right. Um, or not. Right. Because the work that we're going to do in the next three decades, particularly around climate. Um, is going to affect not only our own lives and the lives of our children, but in fact, you know, 500 generations to follow. We've had 500 generations behind us. There's 500 generations to follow. And what we, the people will look back at this decade and say, what did you do? You know, 10,000 years from now, this will be the decade that will determine the, the nature of the climate um, and the, what species survive. Um, to provide a you know a palette for for 
future generations to 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 engage with. So, um, yeah, that's a lot on our shoulders, but it's also a lot of opportunity. And you just have to decide how you want to live your life, right? In the face of this profound injustice that we see unfolding around us, but also the profound opportunity to create justice um, on the planet uh, going forwards. As our uh, time comes to an end, I just wanted to hear a little bit more about the events that are coming up that may be of interest to listeners and how people can learn more about Bar GPS. Oh, uh, glad to do that. Um, and so if, if you happen to be one of our alums, I hope to see you at our gala 10th, 20th anniversary on May 6th in New York City. Um, we have a, a number of summer events, uh, including our distinguished lectureship on emerging ESG regulation, uh, the certificate program. Uh, again, we're looking for people, uh, uh, educators, others uh, who would be interested in bringing this to their community, um, their local university, their local college, their local community college. Um, so glad to talk with people about how to expand um, the type of education that we're providing at Bard, this, this education for change makers, for leaders. Um, and then finally, we've got the worldwide teaching on climate injustice coming your way in 2024. Um, again, I, I, th I feel like the climate movement is kind of revitalizing and coming out of uh, the, the shutdown that happened in 2019 or 2020. Um, and, and we need that energy, we need that power Everybody knows a teacher, everybody knows a student. All of those teachers and students need to get involved with the teach-in. Um, finally, I'd recommend a movie that just came out, um, How to Low Up a Pipeline. Uh, check it out. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's really providing food for thought about, about the moment. Um, and I've always been uh, a believer in social movements and the power of social movements. Um, and, and I think that the, the most important piece right now is uh, using this metaphor of climate repair, right? Is that we kind of need to live our lives as repair people. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of a good metaphor. So, you know, you go to work at, uh, during the day and you do some climate repair and then you come home at night and you go to sleep and you know you live your life and you spend time with your family and you do all the things that repair people do, but that's who we need to identify as. And whatever kind of work that, that is for you, you know, whether it's art or zoology, writing, chemistry, there are places for all of us to be climate repair people. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, and whatever we can do to facilitate that, uh, you know, please let's let's be in touch. Lots of other good people in the world doing good work as well, and we just need to find each other. Well, that's a great way to end this um, interview, and I look forward to being a climate repairer with you and everybody else. But thank you so much, Eben. Thanks, Katie. Bye bye. We appreciate our Loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot on Instagram and tag Impact Report Podcast. 
Learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode by visiting gps.bard.edu. And be sure to head to greenbiz.com or impactentrepreneur.com to read a recap of our conversation. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, April 28th. We'll be speaking with Devin Drew, founder of DFD Partners. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, circular economy, and more about how they launch their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industries. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.